wonderful day. Just glad to be here tonight. And I want to sing, there is a land of milk and honey. There is a land where we won't need money. 554. There is a land of milk and honey. There is a land where we won't need money. There is a land shining with jasper. There we shall see our blessed Savior. And that's the reason we shout
Take each other's hand, give each other a hug, and just forget about everything that's going on down here. I'm ready. Well, how about you? Amen. Amen. Well, we all stand together. Let's just sing, I claim the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary. Amen. Let's just enter into worship as we prepare for the service tonight. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary.
connected by internet or how we're on the phone hookup or however you're hearing this message tonight, God has a direct line to you. Amen. He knows your need. He knows exactly how to deal with every situation. We're so grateful to be believers tonight. We have one prayer request from our brother Matthew DeCurdy. He's asking for a colleague named Andrew that God would open his eyes to the truth of the gospel. Amen. So many people that we work with and in contact with on a weekly basis and we just kind of day in, day out, go about our daily business. But we want to always be a testimony and always be an example. I pray that that would be our desire. Amen. Join with me as we just bow our heads tonight. Precious Lord Jesus, as we sing, we claim the blood. The blood for me, the blood for the bride. Lord, the reality is the blood for the entire world, Lord, but the the world rejects it. They don't see the value in it like we see it, Lord. Lord, what would we do without that precious sacrifice that you made for us? Lord, we need it every day of our lives, every hour of our lives, every minute of our lives, Lord. We count on it, Lord. Even when our mind is maybe not even on you at the moment, Lord, you're always mindful of us and how grateful we are that you undertake in every situation. And Lord, as we have this prayer request, I believe it would be every believer's desire as we just think of loved ones, families, co-workers, even strangers that we meet, that we could somehow get an open door just to say a word that could be multiplied, find a seed that could be uh, nourished and watered, Lord, that the bride would be fulfilled, that everyone would come into their perfect place, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. And just pray now that you would let us get out of our way and I want to pray for the minister tonight, Brother Mike. Lord, help him, Lord. Anoint him. Bless the words that he would speak and the inspiration and the efforts that he's made and, and the song service, Lord. We just commit it to you. May our worship be pleasing, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Why don't we all have your seats? And why don't we sing, When You're in the Battle... For the Lord and right. I think the original words is if you're in the battle, but hey, <laughs> it's not if, it's when. It's battle to battle, but that's all right. We have victory tonight, amen? Oh, when you're in the battle for the Lord and
Amen. Amen. You got your guns pointed at Satan? Just pull the trigger. Amen. Let's sing, Blessed Be the Name of My Rock. Blessed be the name of my
sing my God is awesome my God is awesome he can sing there is none like him no one else touches my heart there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you do
Heavenly Father, indeed, Lord, as this songwriter must have penned down in great inspiration, no one else could touch my heart. No man, no woman, no one on earth, no one else in heaven but you alone can touch the heart of a man, can touch the heart of a woman. Lord, and change their heart, change their being, change who they are, change their nature. Because, Lord, you can not just in your touch, but you can can transform them into your image and your likeness. Lord, no one else can do this but the King of Kings. And, Lord, so we praise you. We love you and we adore you tonight, Lord. Much has been sung and we have praised much, Lord. Lord, and I wonder if we even can, can grasp all the words of the songs we sung. Lord, as we sang, how great is our God. How worthy is our God. I thought of the angels that would sing holy, holy, holy unto the Lord God Almighty. Lord, their wings would cover their feet. Two would cover their face. Two, they'd fly and they'd sing continually in your presence. Holy, holy is the Lord God. That's how great you are, Lord. Their sole purpose is to worship you, Lord. Lord, we'll, uh, surely we can lift up our hands in our little rooms and our little houses and in this sanctuary and wherever they may be and wherever each one of your people are, we could also lift up our hands and sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Lord, who was and is and is to come, Lord, you are worthy. We love you. We appreciate you, Lord. Thank you for this little moment in time as we heard on Sunday. Our times, little little blip that's dropped out of eternity. But Lord, for this little moment, we can set it aside and we can sing your praises. We can fellowship around your word. We can strengthen ourselves and what you've given us, Lord, through this day and age. A message, Lord, that's been dropped down into this moment and this time. Lord, to prepare us. Lord, so that we could then spend our eternity with you, Lord. We give this evening to you. We give our, myself I give to you, Lord. The listener and the hearer, Lord, may they be at your feet, Lord, giving also themselves to you. That you could have your complete control. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. God bless you, everyone. It's good to see you on the camera. Those I don't see, those that I do see. I've seen you up there in the little room, and uh, that's where I choose to see you, (laughs) but uh, it's it's, uh, my privilege to stand here tonight, and we'll just fellowship together over the Word. Amen. God bless you. Just before we go to the reading of the Word, Brother Tom, just just, we're looking at the different, uh, I know we mentioned on Sunday, he's planning to be down on the 24th, I believe it is. And we're just, Lord willing on that, looking at different factors and restrictions and all the things that are changing. And so we'll just, we're keeping that, uh, in focus. Uh, but we're just, um, just keeping our eyes also on some of the different changes as well. So just, uh, we are still planning there, but give us some grace as we work through the different levels of restrictions and such. Pray for me. I need it. It's been a little while since we preached. I was thinking in my mind as I was feeling like a little bit of like the little bit of tin man. You know, I need a little bit of oil to uh, to get all you know uh, oiled up. And so uh, you pray for this tin man here, and we'll just uh, fellowship a little bit and uh, pray that the not just man's oil, but the Holy Ghost, uh, the oil of our Lord, would just start His presence would just move in amongst us. Amen. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles. We'll turn to First Peter five. We'll start in verse 6. Very familiar scripture. 
You sang two songs. You sang Keep on the Firing Line. You sang Blessed Be the Name of My Rock. There was some battle cry happening tonight. And that's uh, maybe a little bit where we'll be a little bit tonight is the battleground for sure. Because that's where we live. Whether you like it or not, or whether you think so or not, we are in a battle. And it's a battle for life and death. And that's a pretty pretty intense battle that we're in. So we'll just read the scripture. We'll start at, uh, we'll start at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the grace, the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And we'll just end there. And we'll just uh, turn as well to Psalms 147. Psalms 147, and we're just, we'll read, really just going to focus on the one verse there, but we'll read verse 1. Starting at verse 1, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem, he gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. Verse 3, he healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. Amen. He bindeth up their wounds. Amen. You may have your seats. Amen. We'll just take a bit of a part, kind of a part one, and then we'll shift into a bit of a, a different section. But I wanted just to open up. We read First Peter 5, and uh, script, this is something we've heard quoted probably, oh my, hundreds and hundreds of times. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. And so we have an adversary which, as we said, states that you have someone coming against you, and you're in a battle, you're in a a, a, a match with, uh, with, with somebody. This is your adversary, it's the devil. As a roaring lion is coming against you, and if you were in a battle against a lion, that would be a, a very formidable foe. As you'd be standing there, as his teeth would be bared, his claws would be ready, and if he was hungry and, and fierce, uh, if I was combating a lion, and I'm not Samson, that would be a very, uh, very scary moment. And uh, and so a lion, is especially, is is fierce and it's mighty. It's the king of beasts. And I, I do love how Scripture, how Peter said, as a roaring lion, because there's one, the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's our King Jesus, and he is the lion. This is the Satan. He's trying to be as a roaring lion. And so uh, he's 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 an adversary. He's he's fierce, and he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Which means he's wanting to consume, he's wanting to annihilate, he's wanting to do whatever he can to his ad, his adversary, which is you and me. And so this is who we are up against, not just him himself, but also him and all of his, his armies that are, that are fighting and his demons that are fighting us. And this is, this is the battle lines that have been, been, uh, been set. And this is what we're living in right now. But whom steadfast, or I should say, I'm gonna go back to verse eight, but be sober, and be vigilant. And, you know, we live in, this is a, this is an, we've lived in an incredible year 
2020 is, is I went through just even the list of, 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 uh, of events through the year. I know you probably all forgot that, you know, Australia burned up pretty much at the beginning of the year and the, the, the millions and millions of, of hectares that burned, et cetera. Like just, if you went back in the year, what we've gone through, it's been an insane time. Uh, right up to now, a mindless time where it just seems like everybody's lost their mind in uh, in what we're seeing and watching, and, and you just shake your head and say, what, "Where are we at?" Well, we're at the end time, and and these are the this is the time we're at, and it's 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 a time though where Satan is doing everything he can though he's wanting to devour. He sees the time winding up, we can see coming to an end, and of course he's going to do all he can to wound, to maim, and to consume as much as he can. And so we have in the scripture though. Um, Satan, Satan knows, he knows, he knows exactly though what he's after. He's not a dummy. Satan is, he's not a, he's not a, you know, a, a very mindless adversary either. But Abraham says, he says, Satan, he knows a whole lot about human beings. He said uh, to Job, he said, would man, what would a man give for his skin? Sure. He knows something about human nature. He helped pervert it. He had a hand in it. He knows a whole lot about it. And he still knows how to, how to, what to do to cause people to fall. He knows human nature. So we're, we're dealing with, uh, with somebody who knows exactly how to trip us up, exactly how to, how to, uh, to stand in our way, exactly how to oppose. He knows exactly where our weaknesses are. He, he studies. But Aram said he continues in that quote. He said he knows human nature. He knows how to catch you in it too. And he's awake day and night. Think going about like a roaring lion, devouring what he will, certainly is. He's awake day and night trying to catch you in it. And so this is who you're dealing with, a smart adversary that studies you, and he's trying to figure out, how can I devour you? How can I devour you? Because that's what scripture said. He's going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Abraham continues on and he says, Heavenly Father, now Satan is our adversary and we know we're not deceived about his shrewdness, his devices. We know that he's an evil man and we know he's shrewd and he is lying wonders everywhere, lying wonders everywhere. And I know he can work on that body of feelings and make people rely on these old senses of feelings and so forth. But Lord, he cannot stand where real, true, unadulterated faith is existing. Amen. So we know right then and there, we know there's something that exists, unadulterated faith in the word of God that he cannot stand against. Hence why we have to be rock solid on the anchor, which is Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're in a battle. But Abraham said another quote. He says, I know he said, he's praying. He said, Lord, people are weary. And he said, maybe they're so weary. They're just about to fall out. He goes, it's not fallout time, it's fall in. Help us to fall in. It's battle, it's fierce, and it's hot and heavy. And we talk, you saying, keep on the firing line. <laughs> but uh, if you're in the battle for Lord and right, if you brought that song, I'd be, I, I, the firing line is right at the front. <laughs> that's the front lines. And, and that's a dangerous spot to be, the front lines. That's where, where the firefight was. That's where the bullets were flying. That's where things were happening. They actually had three different lines. If you looked at the, at the, uh, in war, in the trenches and such, they'd have a front line, they'd have a supply line, and they'd have a reserve line. And all these trenches actually would interconnect in with each other. And so, but, you know, you're, there's no supply and reserve line here. This is the firing line. We're all on the firing line. We're all in the front trenches. And so it's battle. It's battle. And we're in the greatest battle 
ever fought, as we know the message, but Abraham said he, she is going on right here now, yes sir, between life and death, between sickness and health, between faith and doubt, oh my, between liberty and bondage. This is what we're fighting against. This isn't for the most money. This isn't for the biggest land, or I want this region, or I want these resources. We're fighting for sickness and health, faith and doubt, oh my, said life and death, between liberty and bondage. This is what we're fighting for, amen? We're fighting for eternity. He says, the battle is on. Shine your spear, soldiers. Polish the armor, because God is getting his soldiers ready. Amen? He's getting his soldiers ready. Because Satan is desiring, as we said, to devour, to destroy. He's intent on causing every bit of damage he can. And his sole aim is to send as many to hell with him, because he knows his end is coming, as we said, and he's wanting to take us all down as many as possible. And so he's going to fight all the stronger with where, especially even now. And you can see there's a whole lot going on that can consume us, that can take our eyes off what our focus should be. And we get consumed in the world and the politics and we get consumed in the technology and what they're doing on free speech and what they're censoring here and how they're doing that. And there's this, there's something, there's something every day that can consume us because he just wants to get our eyes off the prize on what really matters we would need to be anchored because as we said in the scripture we're going to go it says be sober and be vigilant all right so sober that's not eeyore oh that's just how it is that's not what sober means all right sober doesn't mean sorry and woe is me it actually is to be calm and collected in spirit to be temperate dispassionate, circumspect, wary, and unwilling to take risks, cagey, and meticulous, and prudent are in that in that realm of, of sober. It's a calmness and collected in spirit in a time of incredible, incredible turmoil. That's sober. So don't think you need to be crying or sad. That's not what Peter is saying. He's saying when all this is going around and you've got a lion that is going about devouring everyone he can, be calm, calm. Because no one right now in this world, other than the bride of Jesus Christ, can be calm in with what's going on. And he's saying be calm. And the only reason why you can is because you have a sure word that can anchor you. Amen. So to be calm. But Abraham says, Bible speaks of wandering stars in Jude. He says, foaming out their own shame. He goes, we don't want to be wandering stars. Wonder if this is right. Wonder if that is right. Wonder if this will happen. Oh, will that happen? What's happened here? What about this? What about that? That's not being sober. That's not being sober. He says, don't wonder. Stay like those stars of heaven as a real soldier at his post of duty. Stand there believing life and death. Greatest battle ever fought. So don't be wondering, don't be get, don't get caught up in all of the wondering that people are in right now. Scripture's saying, be sober, be calm, be collected. You know exactly, we've had a message, we have scripture, we have a message that's put a magnifying glass on that. You know exactly what is happening. And that in itself should bring a calmness because you know exactly the time you're living in. And so you can be collected. You see this happening here, you say, don't worry me. Don't worry me because I know exactly where I'm going. And there you can have calmness. Nervous age, uh-huh, combined with fear, combined with uncertainty, 
Who's calm? Like I said, nobody, nobody. Brother Branham, it says, says it's a neurotic age and everybody's all built up. They're twisted up. There's so much tension. There's so much fear. There's so much anxiety because that's the age we're living in. And when you have a year like 2020, it's understandable when they don't have an absolute, they don't have an anchor, they don't have a rock that they can stand on amongst the uncertainty. That's why we're here. That's why we're preaching. We're saying, get to the rock. Find the anchor, find the absolute, because there's nothing in this world that will keep you calm and ready and collected, as Peter is saying, to be sober in this nervous age. Have no time, build up a place people break things and causes people to have hard feelings and they snap them off and say things they don't mean. Everybody's guilty of it. He says, I'm guilty. You're all guilty. We do things under pressure that we wouldn't do otherwise. So there's an excess pressure built up. Before I go any further, he says, I believe it's the enemy. I've read this quote before. Coming down and pressing, I believe it's the devil. And we know the coming of the Lord is at hand. Bible said in the last days, the devil would go about like a roaring lion. And he would get you under pressure. Hurrying, running over something. And you'll make decisions that you wouldn't make if you'd sit down and think it over. Because that's all Satan's trying to, trying to get you to do is to do something that you shouldn't be doing. You get out of line. You get out of the will of the Lord because you're in a frenzy. Oh, should I do this? I'm wondering about that. Oh, about this. And you aren't being sober and actually just stepping back and saying, Lord, what is your will in this? What should I be doing? And being calm in his leadership. And he says, you get all under pressure. You get about to do this. And you're wondering, what should I do? And you make a decision under pressure. And he says, and you wouldn't make it if you just sit down and think it over and push it all aside and just say, Lord, this is me and you. Peace, calm that he brings. When you're calm, you can focus and you can see clearly. You're not frantic and distressed. And I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, here was Abraham and here was Sarah and a promise was given to them. A promise was given to Abraham and Sarah that you're going to have a son. A promised son. And out of them would, fall, fall, would be many nations. And this, your seed would be as the sands of the sea and stars of the sky. And Brother Abraham, he said, which was showing, he goes, he had one before, he had Isaac though. He was showing the slipping up of the unbelief of Sarah who wanted Hagar to bring the child. And here, I was just thinking about that. Here, getting flustered well, the promise hasn't happened. Well, who's going to do it? And Sarah disbelieving where her position of what God was capable of doing. And in that flustering and in that uncalm moment, made a decision. Said, well, why didn't you just take Hagar, my servant? And God is obligated, he said, to his promise. And Sarah thought that maybe she could have Hagar, rather, her maid give birth to the baby. And it became Ishmael, which was a thorn in the flesh from then until now, still a thorn in the flesh from out there come the Arabs, and they've always been that way, he says. Now, anytime you disbelieve the word of God and adopt some other way, it'll be a thorn in your flesh from there on. Don't make a hasty decision. Don't make a hasty move. Be calm in what God has played, where he's placed you, what we, what we know and, 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 and what he's leading you in. And don't, and here we see right in scripture how just a, a, a hasty moment created a thorn in the flesh for Abraham forever, for, for time. And man, just a little bit of beginning introduction here. Calm, sober. It says vigilant. Vigilance to watch, to give strict attention to. So here we are, we have a lion on the prowl, devouring its war, its battle. And here we are to be calm 
and to be vigilant now to give strict attention and to be cautious and active and to take heed, lest through remission and indolence, which is actually laziness of some an avoidance of activity, some destructive calamity might overtake us. So we have to be watchful. Vigilant, it's a big word actually. In one place, someone they were saying, you know, gave a whole list of things of how to be vigilant. Because vigilant is like this word that it's, it's, you can, you can say it. Well, you could be watchful. Okay. But it actually has a whole lot of things around being watchful. And, and so they're talking about being vigilant on more like a, a, a you know, a self-defense kind of thing. But I, so I was reading through a couple of them. I said, well, I can see how that applies. We can apply that spiritually a little bit in parallel. And they said to be vigilant. If you see something, say something. And I said, plain and simple. If you get a bad feeling in your gut about a suspicious situation, say something. That's number one. That's just discernment. That's just the Lord Jesus. You're in a situation. Something's happening. Something's not right. And just the Spirit of the Lord is just in you. said, yeah, this is not quite right. That's just having discernment. Be vigilant. This is no vigilant. This is no where it can... Be aware of your surroundings. Avoid distractions. Minimize different uses and, and certain things. Well, yeah, that's pretty obvious and vigilant. Stay out of areas that you shouldn't be. Keep yourself protected. Don't get in Satan's environment. Don't extend yourself. I shouldn't be. I should. Is this an environment I should be in? No, it shouldn't. I should step away. I should. I shouldn't be there. I, I shouldn't allow myself. Eschew the appearance of evil. This is just vigilance. Be knowledgeable of threats. Know the devil's tactics. Know how he's. Know how he. Know your weak spot. Know how he can come around. Cover that up. Know your. Be knowledgeable. Now, walk with purpose. Is, these are natural things. Walk with purpose, brother Matt. This is what they say to do, you know, because people are looking for victims that are weak. Brother Bram says, he says, that's my prayer. He says, oh, I must not go on as a coward. I must not go around daily with my head hanging down as if something was terrible. Woe is me. Like I said, not this low, ho, or feel. He says, when I look at the world and all the darkness and all the carrying on, I must raise my head. Walk with my head among the eagles, knowing this, that I know him in the power of his resurrection because he lives, we live also. Amen. Because he raised from the dead, I rise also. You will rise also. That's what Easter means to a believer. Amen. He says, I'm no coward. Vigilance. Walk with purpose. You step in exactly, you know who you are. You're going to walk like it. He says, put your heads up with the eagles and walk with purpose. This is vigilance. Defense. It says, you have a right to defend yourself. If you have a license to carry and conceal a firearm, then do so. I said, well, do you have a license to conceal? Absolutely. You have a license to carry. You have a license to carry. Every one of you, whether you need to conceal or not, that's up to you. But we all have a license to carry a firearm that will blow the devil in a, in a, beyond any nine mil that people can hide. It's an atomic weapon that will blast the enemy every moment in its use. Amen? That's our scripture. That's our word. Amen? That's our defense. Communicate with those around you. Strengthen fellowship and edification. I tell you right now, that's really getting shut out. People are just getting tucked away. You know, I can't hardly can see anybody, certain restrictions. And, and then, you know, some, they're just like no, not there. Others you, you see here or there everywhere. But it's communicate with others, connect, strength. Uh, if someone's suspicious or something's going on, you connect with each other, you talk scripturally indeed, or uh, with us as believers. Indeed, you do the same thing. And fellowship, you edify each other, you strengthen each other in the word. And the devil, especially now, Pushing that, that, that away. This is vigilance. Last one. 
know how to use silent 911. I didn't even know silent 911 existed. Apparently, you can do a little thing on your phone. And silent 911, I said, you know, the only silent 911 I think you need is just prayer. That's all you need is to know how to pray. It's vigilance. Know how to call on the Lord in your time of need. And it's vigilant. That's the scripture. Be vigilant and be sober. If you can do all of that, you got a good defense against an enemy in a battleground. Amen. Abraham says we never come to a picnic. In case you thought we did. We didn't come to a picnic. He says, I have so many temptations. He says, tell me one Christian that doesn't have a temptation. He said, we come to a battleground and we're here to fight the enemy. Why, sure, we don't put on our armor just to be looked at. If you become a Christian just to be looked at, well, I'm afraid you're in the wrong place. So if you just came here because you like, you know, like the surroundings, you like the social, you like connections, you like the people to hang around. Oh, I like to sing. If that's what you came for, just like the shiny armor, I'm afraid you got the wrong place, Brother Brown says. Amen. Amen. He says, oh, he says, if we get knocked out of the battlefield here, if this earthly tabernacle is gone, we got another one waiting yonder. He says, nothing to be scared about as a soldier in this army. Amen. Because we got another one waiting. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight hard. And we're going to fight with everything we got. And if we get knocked out of this battleground, he says, you just got another one waiting for you. He said, there's nothing to be scared about. Amen. There's a whole lot of fear in the battleground. You can imagine. You can imagine where to be in the front lines of battle. Great, great catastrophes. And, and this is, we'll just change gears a little bit. So here we are just setting up the scene for the battle and, and what the scripture is telling us to resist, to be steadfast, to be sober, to be vigilant because we have an adversary in the battlegrounds now. But in the battlegrounds, you know, if Satan can't devour you, he's going to do his level best to beat you, to combat you. He's going to try and wear you down because he's just wanting to find a moment or somewhere where you can get your guard is down or you're worn down and you're weary. And many times then he can wound us and we can be wounded because he's trying to, if he can't devour you, he's just going to keep attacking you and attacking you and attacking you. And it's in the battlefront where many can, where wounds happen. Wounds happen in battle, many wounds. And I just thinking of the battle that and the wars and the different fronts that have been engaged through time. And just the wounds that happen in battle. Every imaginable physical injury and limbs are lost and the gashes and the deformities and the shrapnel that can cause just catastrophic damage to someone's body. Damaging their organs and the pain and the agony and that many hundreds and thousands of soldiers, millions of soldiers have, have obtained in warfare. Because they're in the front lines where the, 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 the bombs are going, the bullets are flying. and At any moment, something happened and through their arm and suddenly now their flesh is hanging off or some grenade goes off and they've strapped on. How many have lost limbs because of, because of these times? This is the front lines. And, uh, and I, I can't imagine the feeling of being in that moment. And, and some maybe have uh, of being in, in the heat of battle. And uh, the the bullets and the and the sounds and the the concussions of the noise, and then being wounded, wounded in battle in the battlefield. I can't imagine the feeling of, of such helplessness, 
as now you're disorientated, I'm sure if something's going off or a grenade or something has gone off, your mind is ringing, your ears are ringing, you're disorientated uh, in, in, in the shock of it, and you, you don't even know what to do. And, and, and uh, that moment, that moment of being wounded in battle would just be such a horrific one, helpless. And here you are trying to find, trying to find your sense of, of, of bearing. And all that would clear. I can imagine the most, the word that was yelled the most, specifically in a battle that, medic. Medic! You'd hear that everywhere. The bombs were going, the bullets are flying, and all you would be hearing is medic! Medic! And people are down in the cries of agony and pain because someone was wounded. Someone was wounded. And they're now, their sole focus is, is their survival and their call, their need, that their only chance of survival was that medic. That medic was their only chance of survival. You know, medics had no weapons back pre-Vietnam, actually. Their sole job was to preserve life. And is really the, the first and foremost to stop the bleeding and try and get them somewhat able to get them off the grounds. And they were incredible, incredible um, team of men that were a medic, that were willing to go in under fire uh, without anything to protect themselves. And all they cared about was, I'm going to preserve some life. That's all they cared about. And they were called on and, and who to try and prioritize. And it was extremely stressful, stressful time. But I can imagine if there's a soldier down and... His wounds are great and he's, he's calling, he's been screaming for a medic, medic. And that moment when that medic would have showed up, I can't even imagine how much that, what that would have felt like for any soldier that was down. When that medic was there and all oh, he came down and here's blood going everywhere and the soldier's out, he has no clue what's, where he's at, what his injuries are, all he knows is he needs a medic and that medic shows up and makes says, it's okay, it's okay, I'm here now. I got it. I'm here. And they, that immediate calmness that that medic would bring just by his presence, not just because he had to medically try and attain to him, but just the psychological help was there. Someone was near. I'm in a battle and everything is, is falling apart around me and my life is on the, on the edge, but now I've got help. He's right here. And that medic was that, was that source of strength for any soldier that was in need. Now, we fight, we don't fight a natural battle. We know this. Scripture says we fight against principalities and powers in high places. We fight a spiritual battle, not against man's guns and artilleries and jets and such. But we as soldiers in this great battle, I just, my heart, just as we try and work through the next few pages here, is just on those that have been wounded in the fight because it happens we get wounded and you know we think of natural wounds and natural pains and it would be it would just be all absurd if someone had a real dire natural injury or let's just even say a soldier on the uh, in a battle and he had he was wounded quite seriously and and, and his priority was well, let's just let's just deal with my helmet you know my helmet got Wrecked. I need it. And he's got a natural injury. You'd say, that's crazy. You, you've got a more dire need here. You know, let, let's deal with this. 
And same is if we are here in this realm and our focus is on our physical being in this earth and we're disregarding maybe the fact that we have a dire spiritual wound that needs dealing with. And we'd say that's crazy naturally, but spiritually, maybe there's a wound now that we need to deal with in our lives. And we've been wounded. Being wounded was not a shame. It was not a shame to be wounded. You are fighting a battle. It happened. It happened thousands and millions of times because you're in the heat of it and the enemy is thick. And he's coming and he's trying to devour you. He's actually trying to kill you and annihilate you. And so wounding happens in battle. And so I just thought about wounds. And you know, the wounds of the, of the spiritual realm, or I just say wounds of, of our spirit realm, you know, I just, when I read the scripture, he bindeth up, as we read in Psalms, he said, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. And it is thought about the heart, a broken heart. What a wound. What a wound is a broken heart. And how in this age we can go through different situations. I just thought of different, different possibilities of maybe someone that's lived in a broken home. Maybe their home was fine at some point. Maybe there was a lot of affection in the homes and everything was just wonderful and then something happened and a spouse decides to leave and how that home is torn apart. And now a spouse and children are left alone. Maybe they even still love that one and they're now scorned and despised by the other. And that and people, you become wounded in the heart. Broken hearted. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a close friend. And you outpoured your sorrows and your griefs. And your trust. And then they betray your confidence. And you become so wounded. So deep goes that wound. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe you had to watch the love of your life, maybe put into the ground, and your heart's broken. Maybe you buried a child, and your joy is gone. Maybe you've gone from church to church because a minister has broke your confidence, and you got wounded. Maybe just a series of disappointments and defeats. And you've just been constantly crushed. And you've been crushed. And you feel like your life's purpose is just not even there anymore. And it's wounding. It's broken, broken your heart. Maybe it's sickness that's just become a heavy burden. And it's just seeking to destroy you. And the toll, both physically and mentally, has taken it, its task and it's wounded you. Maybe it's financial strains. Maybe you lost your job as a breadwinner of the home. And that feeling that you've just been, you've, you've failed at what you're, what you're supposed to do as a husband, as a, as a father. And that pressure there and you're just wounded and you're broken. And I just thought, I just, just thought through different situations and I just thought, Lord, we have a lot of wounds. These are heavy wounds. That go right to the heart. 
You know, we can think about a lot of people. You can think about naturally people, you know, walk around. They talk about a thousand yard stare. And I just wondered, Lord, how many are just coming to church, living day in and day out. But spiritually, they've maybe just got a thousand yard stare, which in battle, it was just they'd seen too much. It was too heavy. They were in shell shock and they just there was just nothing. Just nothing there. I said, Lord, is any, if there's anybody that's caught in that state of a thousand yard stare, they're wounded tonight. Trials and situations, our family troubles, the pandemic to boot, you must, I'm sure there are many that are in shell shock. And at some point, nothing really phases you anymore. But I just wanted to say tonight, God sees the wounds. God knows what the broken heart is. Because he was rejected of those he loved. You know, once he says, I'll come and heal the broken hearted. He had a broken heart. He knows the pain and the agony and the sorrow that comes with that. He died, but Abraham says... Man will never know what that was. He said, the reason there could be no one else could ever die like that, speaking of Jesus. He said, I don't care how much you can be tormented, how that they might put your feet in the stocks, saw you by inches, burn you by inches, you could not die the death because your makeup is not like that. He had to be God. He had to be more than man. He had to think that God died. He died of a broken heart. That's what he said. He died of a broken heart. Such grief for the world until a chemical reaction took place in his body that could not take place in you and I. And he speaks to the blood and the water separating him. His spear pierced his side. He says, you cannot suffer like that. Only he could do it. And he did it. He died of a broken heart. Our Lord Jesus died that way. And so he knows when he can inspire scripture to heal the broken hearted and to bind up the wounds Our God is able to do just that. Scripture that we read before we talked about be sober and vigilant. It says, casting all your cares on him, for he careth for you. And Brother Kyle, he took Friday night, uh, young people, and he just spoke on, God loves you. It's just... as he would have said, he said it was like, you know, maybe a little Sunday school topic. But as he was speaking, it's the most found, one of the most foundational pieces. If you can actually just accept that God loves you, that can take away so many complications and complexes. And, and ladder on top of that is he loves you and he cares for you. Accepting that, and I said, even me. And I, you know, I looked at a quote and I just was struck with this, that we can go through wounds and we can go through these situations. And I want you to know that God knows of your wounds. He cares about your wounds. And you might think, well, who am I? Or God doesn't see me. It doesn't seem that way. I want you just to listen to this. Abraham says, then Hagar, how she must have felt that morning when she took her baby, a son of Abraham, and a bottle of water, and they were cast out. Talk about a wounding. They were cast out, Go. You're away every her whole life or whatever she knows. She's now born a son to Abraham, and now they are cast out of the out of the out of the uh, home there. And now they're out. 
dying in the wilderness. He took that little fellow and put him under a bush and went, went a bow shot, 150 yards or so something, knelt down. She began to cry. She couldn't stand to hear the baby crying for the water and dying in that condition. But remember, Brother Bram says, the Bible said, the Lord heard the child. Why? He's a seed of Abraham. And I just, just struck me. God hears the cry of the children of Abraham. This is Ishmael. This is Ishmael. This is not Isaac. This, this, this tribe caused a lot of grief for Israel. And the Lord surely knew what was gonna, what was happening here. But he heard the cry because he's the children of Abraham. And if you are in Christ tonight, you're Abraham's seed. He never heard Hagar. The woman, the mother, she's very religious, but he never heard her. He said the covenant wasn't with that. It was with Abraham's seed. Oh, he says, if you could get that drilled into you, God's obligated. He swore by himself, made the covenant unconditionally with Abraham and his seed forever. And the same promise that he made Abraham is yours. Amen. So if whatever promise he made Abraham, he made for you. He says, oh, that ought to make everybody get well to think that if you're the seed of Abraham, he cared enough for Ishmael's cry to send a water in a desert. I can tell you as a seed of Abraham, as a son and daughter of God and his bride, he's going to care a whole lot about your wound. He's dying in the water, needing water, and you just need to cry out because he cares for you. He cares for your every smallest little need. And if you're needing, if you're needing medic, you need to cry, Jesus, cry out for medic. If, if a guy was wounded in the ground, he wasn't going to stay there and say nothing. If he could, whatever he could muster out of him, he was going to scream out, medic. And if you, wherever you are in your spiritual wound moment where you're wounded, Satan has tried to, to, to devour you and he's hounded at you. If you are in any state, I say, just cry out, Jesus, I need you now. Don't be wounded and needing help and being all silent. Oh, a song writer wrote a song and it was actually one of the very first songs I sang. Wounded soldier. And one of the verses it says, don't be the walking wounded, pretending to be strong, but deep inside you're barely hanging on. You know, they thought, they thought to get someone out of shock. They're just in that hundred yard stare or they had to go to the field hospital and they're, they're out of battle. They're, they're, they're just not even coherent. And they sought so many different treatments. They did electroshock therapy. They all day would shake them and smack them. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. You don't need a shaking. You don't need somebody to say, wake up. What do you think you're doing? I just want you. You're all wrong in what you're doing. I, I just I said, Lord, that's not, that's not. They were, that was not the proper treatment for someone that was just in shock i said i just want you to know god loves you and he cares for you and he sees your wounded heart he sees your wounded heart praise ye the lord for he is good and sing his praises unto the lord as we read it, verse 3, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Isaiah 61, familiar scripture, The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the broken hearted. This is one of the first things Jesus, when he came and he, and he, and he took the scrolls and he, and he spoke this, to bind up the broken hearted. 
to proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. This is what he came to do. If you're wounded, if your heart's been broken and you're mourning, he has come specifically to bind your broken heart and to make it whole and to comfort you in your mourning. Amen. He's ready to comfort the mourner, to bind up the wound and that sore area. It's hurting. It's painful area. And I'm just, I don't know the quote, but I think Brother, Brother Bram says something about an angel with the softest hands. He sent an angel with the softest hands. I just love that quote. I would say, Lord, send the angel with the softest hands. Better yet, your your own hands to come. And with tender oil of joy, comfort the mourner. Spurgeon said, O ye mourners, seek ye a balm for your wounds. Let me proclaim it unto you. He says, the God of heaven knows your sorrows. He says, repair you to his throne. And tell your simple tale of woe, then cast your burdens on him. He will bear, open your heart. He will bear it. Open your heart before him. He will heal it. Think not that you are beyond hope. You would be there if there was no God of love and pity. But while Jehovah lives, the mourner need not despair. Amen. The mourner need not despair. Wounds turn into scars. After a period of time, the wound is, is healed. And it heals from that immediate intense time of pain. And over time, it then tries to heal itself. And it can turn then into what is, we would call a scar. You know, and sometimes we talk about wounds just a bit ago, but maybe sometimes we're, de- that's dealing with maybe something now, but What about something that was from long, long ago? That's actually a scar. And that scar, maybe we don't, we don't know what has happened in someone's life. We see someone, they act a certain way or they handle something a certain way. We actually don't realize maybe way back, way back in their life, something happened that was a wound. And then it was, now it's become a scar, but it has affected them all the way now through time. And it's actually impacted, that scar can now impact the way they think, the way they live, the way they act, the way they respond in their whole life can actually be governed, whether they even know it or not, because of a hurt way back. And it's now become a scar, but that scar has actually has, 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 has caused them to live and act a certain way. Because scar, scars, they have, obviously they have some natural effects. They have a natural outward appearance. Depending on the wound, it can be small. Maybe it's hidden. It can affect how one moves. Its tissues are actually different. Scar tissue doesn't stretch as much and it restricts movement and it can alter your, your actions a little bit. It doesn't actually have hair follicles on it. And, and uh, I believe even sweat glands. And, and so it's, it's different. It's an area. It causes some adjustments. It actually even can, can cause some, some other, your, your own mental image of yourself because of a certain scar. That's creating maybe even a complex in and of itself because it's altering maybe, maybe who, who, who you are. And it's also a constant reminder looking at a scar reminder of that wound way back that's just a, that's just the natural aspects of a scar and and so I, I just was thinking about scars that could have 
happened. If you look at those wounds that we went through, maybe even some of the, some of the examples of some of the wounds, maybe it was a broken home or a broken friendship or, or a situation in a church or disappointments or all of that. Those were hurts at some point. Those were fresh wounds at some point. But then they, if they did not heal properly, if you did not, if Jesus Christ was not part of that healing, that scar then can have very many negative impacts all the way through your life on a, on a spirit level. And it can affect, if you look at a home, someone that goes through maybe a difficult home situation, it can affect all your affection on how you even respond maybe to a certain, uh, in, in a relationship. Because you had a bad situation here, your love was tarnished here, or you, you were, you were, you were tossed aside here, and now you'll never trust it again over here. And that scar comes all the way through. And whether you know it or not, it's also then affecting the next generation down. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a spouse, whatever it is. But that scar has worked its way all the way through because of something that happened way back here because Jesus didn't, it didn't get dealt with back then. Maybe it's in how you respond to certain things and how you process certain situations. Maybe you're in, a, in, a, in an environment that, that, that manipulated and, 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 and so it bent your whole way of thinking. And that whole, you don't even know it, but you've actually, that, that created actually who you are. That scar impressed itself so much that you, it actually has, has, has changed even or built uh, how you even process something. You know what? You think I was thinking. Brother Bram talks about pre-crossing uh, bridges and worrying and building bridges and never crossing them. And I, I thought there's. Uh, I think about a, a someone that maybe rose up in a home that that had an un, unfaithful parent of some sort, and they would go. They can go through life and then never trusting, maybe in their own relationship, because of something that happened back here, and that then is there, and that scar is now hindering. Or creating a barrier or some, some, some blockage in their own relationship because of scar. And it's been hidden there all the way through. Scars. Memories. Tragic heartbreaking instances. Accidents. And they can burn themselves in your memories and it just becomes such a scar. I just want you tonight. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know your situations. I don't know your your lives. And my burden in my heart was just, Lord, if there are wounds that someone's going through right now, or maybe even some scars that they that your people have gone through, and it, if they could just take a, a sit down and just listen and think about, Lord. As my life, do I need to stop this scar from any further impact in my life? And I need you. You need God. You need Jesus to come and say, Lord, I have, there's a scar there. Many times scars are actually hidden. And we never want nobody to even know about something. And so they're deep, deep, deep in our lives. And we put a lot of things on top of it. But there's that something that's way back, way back. And he said, Lord, I need you to deal with that scar in my life.
so that it does not continue the cycle. And that scar keeps going down the line. Break it. Only Jesus can do that. If you can recognize it and deal with the root cause, only God's help, you can stop the strain from continuing. But Abraham says, "There's." he, lets us, he starts talking about a balm in Gilead. He said, people don't want to subscribe to this physician. They want an aspirin instead. They don't want to diagnose the case. He says, but a real doctor will examine that case till he finds the reason and then start to work from there. You've got to get right to the cause not all the symptoms, but what is actually causing the symptoms that is, is a barrier to your life being freed of that and being able to move on in your life and the Lord being able to, to help you through those wounds and those hurts. I just wrote down on my notes and said, now is the time, let's just bring it to Jesus. Because all treatments, they have to be exposed first. You can't work on a wound area or an area that scars. You have to expose it first. And if you do not want to do that, there's no way to be able to access and work on it. On a scar, you can massage a scar area. You try and make that flexible and break up some of that, that tissue. You can do some exercise. You can put moisturizer on it and try and you can do that to the scar, but you have to let, you have to let access to that area. I said, Lord, may you just speak to the hearts of your people. And if there's just one, Lord, that has a scar or a wound that needs you to deal with so that it can be done and over that hurt can never come back again and they can be free of that. Now is your night. Because Jesus is putting his finger on that area and saying, it's right here. You you know, he's just putting his finger, he says, your scar is right here. I want to help you with that. Man has put so much effort into cures and remedies, vaccines, which we hear right now. But we we already have a cure. But Abraham says, we don't need toxins. He goes, we, we have a cure. Scripture says, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? It's a question. And Jeremiah is saying on behalf of the Lord, is there no balm? Is, is there, it was an area that they got herbs and things that could, was salves and, and such, the, a balm in Gilead. He said, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician? Which it's a rhetorical. Yes, there is. I am here. Jesus, the Lord is saying, I'm here. I can fulfill all your needs. I can, I can be the balm that you need. I can be the salve that you need. The ointment or the, or the, or whatever is needed. I can heal up the wound. I, I can be the surgeon right now, right here. And he's saying, isn't there a balm in Gilead? Where is it? Then why? If there is, why? Then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? And I'm saying, is there a balm in Gilead? The answer is yes, of course there is. Jesus Christ is here to do everything you even could ask or dream or think of. He's there to do it for every one of us. And Brother Bram says the cure holds. He said he didn't test this cure. He didn't test it on anyone else. He says, you know, when doctors try their own toxin, they try to squirt it into a guinea pig and how it acts and such. And we're living this right now. You know exactly where, where we are with vaccines and all that. But you know, when God brought his toxin down, he himself came down. He didn't put it in a guinea pig. He put it into his son, his self. He made himself a body. He said he overshadowed the Virgin Mary, created a body and changed his cast from God, Jehovah to man here on earth to express himself to a, his self a body. 
He said any good doctor would try his own medicine. Amen. He said Jesus give it to himself. This is the toxin. This is the balm. This is the salve. This is the treatment for your need. He said he did it on himself first because he's going to say, I'm going to show you it works. I'm going to show you what it can do. He says, this is my beloved son. Whom I am well pleased to dwell in. They watched it. He was tempted. The toxin held. He was smitten in the face. It held. He was riled upon. He spoke not back. When they put a rag around his head and hit him in the head with a stick, he said, if you're a prophet, now tell us who hit you. The toxin held. When they pulled the beard out of his face and spit on his face, drunken soldiers hocked and spit on him. It held, he said, and, and pulled his handfuls out of beard. It held. On Calvary, it held. In the hour of death, it held. When he died, it held. And when his soul advanced into hell, it still held. Amen, he said, but on Easter morning, it proved it was God. The toxin he gives is eternal life. How can you keep it in hell? How can you keep it anywhere else? The gates of hell, death, and the grave couldn't hold. He rose up again on the third day. Proves that the toxin was real. Proves that whatever your need is, if it could work on Jesus Christ, tempted and spit on and slain and killed and whatever, maimed and whatever else, it still held, amen? He said, God's life, Zoe life, eternal life is the only cure to your wound, amen? You may be down, you may be hurt, and you may have wounds that only God knows about. You may have a scar that's way back. That you know what has been hindering you? It's been hurting you. It's been a source of, of agony and hurt and it's affected you. If that's you, it, the toxin that Jesus Christ is, it will take you hell and back and it will, you will still rise again. It doesn't matter what your problem is. The toxin, the balm in Gilead is the answer to your problem. And the battle will rage on. But we have a balm in Gilead that will heal the wounded and the brokenhearted. You know, I'm going to just try and finish now real fast. My goodness, Lord help me. Abraham says, for any good soldier, he's apt to get wounded or hurt. But if he's a soldier and he's got a purpose and something to fight for, he'll rise and try again. You might have hurts and you have broken hearts and God's going to mend that. You got, you're still here. You still got a purpose. So that's why you're going to keep on the firing line. We're not just going to be like, well, I'm out of the battle. No, you're not out of the battle. You're not out of the battle. You're in glory. And if you're still here, you're going to buckle up. You're going to deal with the wounds because the balm is here. You're not going to skirt this now around the corner anymore. Jesus has exposed, exposed where your need is, where that scar is, where the wound is. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a gift of discernment. I don't, I'm not Brother Branham and can say that to you, but God can meet you. God can re- open that up. He's standing right there and you know between him and your, and God where your need is right now. And so he's there to be a balm. The bomb, so that you are ready to fight and not to succumb, but you're able to arm yourself again and we're going to continue this battle. Because he's not done with you yet, because you're here. I'm going to just, whew, I'm going to blast through the last couple pages here. You know, Satan is on a chain. God, say you say, well, you know, 
Satan had to ask God permission to deal with Job. He had to actually, he had to go up before God. And he said, you might have things that happened to you. And why does this happen to me? And I don't know, you know, all these uh, different struggles and, and, and very real hurts. And if you, I know anybody's going through a situation, everyone doesn't want to hear Job. Because Job's, Job's trials are, are above, are away at the top of what Job went through. And, but it's there to be a strength. Not to be like, well, you know. Deal with it. Look what Job went through, so you can go through it too. That's not that's not what it's there for. And if you're receiving that way, you're receiving it wrong. It's showing it's showing much more than that, much more than 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 that type of example. Satan came up. If you listen to this dialogue, Satan came up, and he says, the "Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou?" Then Satan answered the Lord, say, well, from going to and fro the earth. So here they're having a conversation. I even, I even just wonder about this, these, this moment. Here Satan is coming up before God. Not the audacity. He comes up before God. And he says, I'm going to and fro between the earth, walking up and down. And he said, hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him. A perfect and upright man. Can you imagine God saying, look at that man. He's perfect and upright. Imagine. And escheweth evil. Satan says, Doth Job fear God for naught? Of course he's going to fear God. He says, Hast he made you put a hedge about him? You gave him a house? All he has about his house and everything on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth your hand now and touch, and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. What, what nerve. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. So God had to give him that ability. He says, okay, I'll give you a little bit of rope. Here, I'll let the chain out a little bit. You can go thus far. I'll let you do that. God had to give him permission for him to even touch Job. And if that's Job, that does not change with you or me. Satan has a certain amount of rope that he can do in your life. God is in control. He has a purpose for you and you will not deviate from that. Satan can't touch you any more than God even allows. Just believe that. And then we know what happens and Job then calamities after calamities and here in Job 2 and the Lord said to Satan, well from whence coming you? Where have you been? And he said, well I've been up and down going to and fro walking up and down the earth. And he says, well have you considered Job? Now Job's had everything wrecked from him. His whole life, his children are, have died. Everything he's had is gone. Satan answered. And, and, and uh, Satan, have you considered Job? There's none like him on the earth. He's perfect and he's upright. See, you said he was going to curse me, but he's still perfect and he's still upright. And issue with evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Oh, I love Job. Here, right in the face of Satan. And still... You did all that and still he holds fast his integrity. Although you movest me against him to destroy him without a cause. And he said, of course, skin for skin. Yea, and all that man hath will give for his life. And then we know what happened. The Lord said, well, behold, he's in thy hand, but save for his life. You know, if you go to the end of the scripture, Satan didn't appear again. If you go to the end of Job, Satan didn't come up again and be like, where the Lord saying, well, where have you been? No, it was over. It proved to him, Satan, he was shrinking away in a corner, putting his, trying to get out of his sight because he knew he had been defeated. He did everything he could. He put Job through everything he could. And still, God would have said to him, and still he holdeth fast 
his integrity. I said, oh God, help us be like Job. It doesn't matter what we go through. We will go through deep wounds. We will go through deep scars. We will have it. We're in a battle. But may the balm of Gilead be able to be there like Job. And he can say, I know my Redeemer liveth. And I'll see him on that day. And God can look down and be like, there's Anthony and Rosie. And they eschew with evil. And they are perfect and upright. No matter what happens, Satan could come up and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, you can go this far. This far. But I already know they will be perfect and they will still be integrity, have integrity in my face and in my eyes. Amen? That's what God thinks of a son and daughter of God. Amen. He was showing Job off to Satan. And maybe you're going through a different trial. And maybe God's just showing you off. Saying, that's my son. Do what you want. But he's perfect and upright before me. That's my daughter. I know exactly they'll hold fast. I, I'll, I'll give them a, I have a balm. I'll be their portion. You can do what you want, but they'll call on me. They're perfect. And he's just showing you off and saying, see Satan? That's my son and daughter. Maybe you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Job did not. He did not know what was going on behind the scenes. He just knew he was going through a one terrible, horrific trial. But really God was saying, he's my perfect son. Skip a little bit and we'll end here. Musicians, like count 120 seconds and then you can come. How's that? <laughs> Amen. Different ones have gone through different different struggles. And I just want to end. I was thinking, I was thinking of Joseph. I was thinking of Joseph. And I just thought about his life that he went through. And we can think of Joseph when you think of him as, you know, second in, second with Pharaoh and and all that, but you know, Joseph had a bit of a, he had a rough. Joseph was wounded. He was ridiculed by his family. I mean, you know, the, the hatred, his brothers hated him. And he, that's what he had to live in every day, hated. And I can't imagine the comments and the scorn and, and all that they would have said to him because hate just spews. And they hated him. They were jealous. And even, even Jacob, even when he had his, the vision and the moon, sun and the moon bowed, even Jacob was like, come on, Joseph, you know. And, and, and you think of, think of how you'd feel. And someone's just like, get, get beside yourself. You think I'm going to bow down to you? And hey, Joseph didn't have it. Just, just a comment. Someone he loved and endeared his father. And he can imagine, mm, it'd just be one more. One more against his heart. Here he goes then up to, to see his brethren. And here they now are plotting and they see him coming. And he's got his coat on, which they despise that in himself because it spoke of his, lo- his father's love for him more than them. And here they're plotting now. And they're plotting essentially to, to murder him. Here, some of the brethren are against it. You got those that are just like, do him in. And so they, you know, split off and say, let's put him in a pit. And so they put him in a pit. And here, think of it. These are his brothers. And they've now thrown him into a pit. They've, they've, they're, they're, he's hearing them. It's not like he's deaf. He's hearing all what they're saying. No, no, let's do him in. No, throw him in a pit. Hey, imagine the turmoil. Those, that is, imagine the wounding that Joseph was going through. Rejected. Unwanted. And then sold off as a slave. Sold as a slave. I put that in perspective. 
You you took your brother or your sister or some dear family member, uh, family member and you hated him so much, you sold him as a slave. That would have stuck deep. I'm human. And I can't even imagine that and you're human. What that would have felt like. And now he has to work his way up. He's, I'm sure, whipped going down these slave trade now and on his way to Egypt and we don't have all the time to go through it all. But it didn't really matter what he went through here. I just said, his the word, the visions that God gave him, they had to come to pass. No matter the circumstances, they still had to come to pass. So now he comes up, he's now worked his way up into Potiphar's home and look what happens here. Now he's placed in a situation with Potiphar's wife. And I just was thinking, my, Satan knows you and I. He knows what you've gone through. He knows every aspect, as we read in the beginning, a quote in the beginning. Because here now, Potiphar's wife is showing him attention. Joseph didn't get attention. He was ridiculed, scorned, discarded, sold as a slave. This was an area, a wounded area for him of being desired, of being wanted. And here Satan throws a woman in front of him, a perverted want of a perverted love saying, hey, Joseph. And here's an area that Joseph has lacked all his life. But Joseph could see through. Joseph saw straight through that and and, and we know we know the story. And so Joseph wounds all the hurt and the agony, his lonely nights, potentially the, the, the mockings and the scornings, maybe whippings as he was traveling with the slave trade. Every one of these wounds, they became a scar. They would have become a scar. But look at the difference here. And I just, this, I'm just sharing this because I just, just was blessed by this because we know that Joseph is a type of Christ. And the scars that he came, now what happens is here's now Joseph, where he's become, these are all back there, these scars that he's had, these wounds he's carried. And now his brothers come. And what happens? What was Joseph, the whole reason that Joseph was brought there? And he said to his brothers, is I've been come here to preserve life. He's come there to preserve life. He bore the scars. The scars that he bore were all there for a purpose. And then his brothers come, who, to be honest, had to have their own hurts and wounds. Some of them didn't want to do that. You can't tell me the guilt was so heavy upon them. You bet it was because they said it. We're done for. They knew it. They knew there was guilt. They were wounded. They were scarred themselves. They carried the guilt of murder and and sending to the slave trade. And here, they also had their wounds. But here... As a type of Christ, Joseph, he he put it all aside. He says, no, 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 no. All this was for a purpose so that I could preserve life. And their scars were dealt with right there. And Joseph's scars, then the whole purpose of them was so that they might be saved. And I thought, oh, the same aspect as a type of Christ, all that Christ went through, all the shame and all the agony and all the whippings and the scourgings and everything, the piercings on the cross, All of that was done so that he might preserve your and my life. And I thought about the scars on his hands. He could have let them go away. He could have, he he could have, God could have done anything. He didn't have to have the scars there. He could have, he could have been perfectly fine. 
and never shown anything. But he wanted to show the scars to you and me because they were not scars of hurt and remembrance of something that happened and all the agony. No, it was a scar of victory saying, see this right here? It's victory because I ascended from hell and I've now gone to heaven and you are going to come with me. This is scars of victory that you and I, you and all of your household and whoever is saved when you believe in me. Amen. That's what those scars meant. Just as Joseph's scars were there and preserved life, so did Jesus and the scars that he bore are just proof of victory. I said, Lord, turn the scars. Scars of your people. Maybe they've gone through something. May that scar not become now something that is a remembrance of hurt and a remembrance of agony. But maybe they look at that and say, no, that's a remembrance. I look at that and I say, no, it's Jesus. That was my balm. That was my ointment. And he came. And all I can think of is the peace that passes all understanding or the healing touch or the comfort or whatever you need at that time. That's the only thing you will remember of the scar. Amen. Too many examples to go through. Mary and Magdalene and woman of Sychar. All their burdens that they had and the scars they had. But with Jesus, with Jesus, scripture after scripture, if you can come to Jesus and present your scars or your wounds or your difficulties, he can meet your need. Amen. I'm just so thankful. He left the scars of a reminder for me. So I could look at him and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thomas needed them. The Jews are going to need them. Where did you get those wounds? In the house of my friends. But to preserve life, did I sustain these wounds? And God isn't thinking, oh, it was painful. No, he's saying I did it with great joy. As a woman who births a baby, it was painful. But then she sees her child forgets. Everything in God, I believe, wouldn't even remember all the agony. All he cares about is that I saved you. You're my bride. I did whatever it took. And now you're going to come and you're going to be with me. The scars are turned from hurt and wounds and pain and turned into victory. And you can go forward and fight the battle. And with you, when you call medic, the balm will be there at the moment you call and the moment you need help. Amen. The wounds that Satan dealt on Calvary intended for defeat. And the wounds that he's inflicted on you, he's intended defeat, devouring, maiming, whatever he's tried. He's seeking to destroy, but the same wounds God can turn around. And his brought healing, healing wounds supply. And may may your wounds just become memories of victory. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Jesus heals, as the singer sang a song, He heals the secret scars. I love the song, Friend of a Wounded Heart. I say, Lord, just lay your wounds and your scars at Jesus' feet tonight. I would pray and wish whoever's listening and whoever would listen. I just said, Lord, the burden of my heart is just for your wounded ones. And they could seek and find healing. Let's just bow our head tonight. I know you're in your home. It 
This is the Wednesday night service. I would love if everybody could be here. Satan's been such a robber. But I'll never, never give him any bit of glory. Because I know location doesn't mean nothing to God. So in the quiet of your home, I just pray, Lord. I want you just to say, Lord, if you have a scar, if you have a wound, he binds up the wounds. He heals the broken heart. Something that's been far back, you know it's deep, deep down. And it's really affected you. I just say, Lord, tonight, just reach out and call, call medic. Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I want that. I need the balm in this area. I've ignored it or I've tried to push it aside. I, I just don't want to deal with it, but I know it's permeating even my, just my daily life. I don't, maybe I haven't recognized it, but I just be honest with him because there's no shame in the wound. Jesus can meet the need. Jesus can meet the wound. There is a balm in Gilead. Heavenly Father, Lord, you alone, you alone know the deepest, the deepest areas of our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would give each one, Lord, just the ability to even open up that area. Lord, so that it could be exposed, so that you could start to work, Lord. Lord, and, and start putting a balm in an area, Lord, that has been a real area of hurt. Lord, whether it's broken homes or broken relationships. or Lord, things that Satan would just capitalize on. But Lord, there's no reason. Lord, if they can reach out with you, if you can just be the faithful one tonight, Lord. And Lord, maybe be a quick response, Lord, with, with to the call to the medic. The great medic. The great physician. That goes beyond all our flesh. It goes beyond all our sinews and muscles and bones and arteries. And you can start piercing, Lord. Your word can start piercing, Lord, into the spirit and soul realms. And you can start to sew up, Lord. Sew up, Lord, those areas of deep hurt. Start putting a little ointment, Lord, on it, Lord Jesus. Lord, may these words just be left in their hearts. You care about them Lord you care about their wounds and Lord may they Lord just recognize Lord maybe a little bit of time they need in the little field hospital with Dr. Jesus and then Lord you can say you're ready you're ready to go again Lord we can engage in the battle again Lord we're all soldiers together in this battle Lord, if we see each other, Lord, we're not going to let a wounded soldier be down, Lord. May we lift each other up. We pray for each other, Lord. We see one in need, Lord. Maybe be quick to go to them, Lord. Maybe we can't get to them, but we can in prayer. Lord Jesus, that we can be a strong army. Lord, as we start this year, it may be difficult times still ahead of us. But Lord, we have one. We have a great balm. And a great leader, as Brother Branham said, five-star general. 
J-E-S-U-S. We'll follow you anywhere, Lord. We'll follow you anywhere. Commit your people into your care, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 I just sing, I know you're saying break every chain. I just, I wanted to sing maybe healer of the broken pieces, but her bad. Healer of the broken pieces. Let's stand and sing this now. Oh, you touched my heart and made it new. Oh, now my whole life I surrender. Lay it down before the mender. Lord, I give my heart to you.
healer of the broken pieces. Touch my heart and made it new. Man, my. Bless your name, Lord. I know. I'm sorry I hold you a little late. Hold you a little late. We're all at home. Usually we're here at even this time. Let's pray the healer comes and heals and mends. Binds up the broken heart. Bind up the broken heart. You know, do we know this song, Brother Ben, just before we go? I just really, I would love to sing this song. If you have to go, you can just hit end stream. You're not going to hurt my feelings. We say you're dismissed, you can go. I just want to sing, I have hope in the time of sorrow. Brother, we know that song. I have joy. It's it's in, I put it in there because I love it. And I figured I would love to sing this. These, I love these words. No, I have hope. Just search I have hope there, brother. It's in there. I put it in there. There it is. Amen. Where do the brokenhearted go to find comfort for their pain? So many hurting need to know the hope there is in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you know this, but the Matt saying a little bit ago. I think Sister Precious saying a little bit ago. Brother Michael Gindo is saying it even more a bit ago. And so you should all know it by now. And so I just want you to sing. Just think about these words. Where do the brokenhearted go? Amen. Let's sing that. Do we know this? Where do the broken hearted go? Oh, to find a comfort for their pain. Maybe the singer says a prayer. So many hurting need to know. Oh, the hope there is in Jesus' name. Sing this chorus. And I have joy, oh, in the time of sorrow. And I have peace, oh, in the raging storm. Oh, and I have faith that Jesus holds tomorrow. And I have hope, resting in.
I have joy. You might have sorrowed times, but there's joy. It might be a raging storm, but it's he's peace. Because our Jesus holds tomorrow, amen. That gives us hope. We can stare the devil down in the eyes. We can look tomorrow down in the eyes. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm resting in his arms, amen. My, God bless you. Thank you. I just love looking at all you on there. And, I, and now it's my opportunity because I get to say, you know, can somebody pray? Because I just like to hear your voices. But Brother Matthew, do you even have, are you able to hit the little mute button there? Unmute your microphone. Because I just love to hear, hear you give a prayer for us and just send everybody home and dismiss us in prayer. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, King of Universe, God of all creation, giver of every good gift, author of life. Jesus, in your uh, word, you said you don't leave us comfortless, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for your word, using Brother Michael, Lord Jesus, to comfort us with your word, Lord Jesus. The word came in due season, Lord. Many these days, Lord, are hurt. But the answer is, as Brother Tom said, we have the answer in this day, with this condition, end time message. Meet that condition, Lord. Father, we thank you once more. Even in these times, you meet our needs and you bless us. Would you please pour back in Brother Michael's life, Lord Jesus. He blessed us with an amazing labor for us. Bless all the ministers, Lord. Bless Brother Tom. Make a way for him to make it to the States, Lord. May he have favors in the eyes of those people in the borders and authorities, Lord Jesus. Bless the believers across the border, Lord. We love them. We love all our musicians, everybody that's putting labor, all the cameraman and uh, sound system, Lord. We just, we just appreciate every one of you guys that putting labor for us. We thank you, Lord. Father, now we about to leave, Lord Jesus. We may leave this, uh, this screen that we are watching, but we just want your, uh, your presence go with us, Lord Jesus. Also, I'm praying for my co-workers. He's uh, in Dawson Creek, Lord Jesus. His father is a minister. And he's uh, listening to my words. And his father mentioned, he said, the seals has to be open at this time. And he just did something to me. I had to send a message today. Lord Jesus, your prophet said, when people hear the truth, make them sad, mad, or glad. Make them, they, when they hear it, be glad, Lord Jesus. Father, once again, we thank you for your word. We dismiss everyone in their homes, wherever they are, across the world, even people watching. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Brother Matthew. Amen. That blessed me too. Seals have to be opened. Indeed, they are. Oh my, he's primed and ready. May the Lord open his eyes. 
My, well, have a wonderful week, the rest of the week. Lord, go with you. My apologies for holding you probably as long as I've ever held you in my life. Apparently, the the oil worked on this tin man, and uh, we'll have to shorten up a few pages a little bit more here. I thought it was coming short. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We love you. God bless you. See you later. God bless you, everybody.